is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. All right, we are plugged back in, and it is a Monday night live at the Coors Light. Jared Scaldi Show with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker. Thanks to our good friend, Mike, who is able to provide us with said receiver to get it going and have us on the air tonight as opposed to off and unplugged. Although... Although it was a pretty good week last week, and it'll be a, another good week this week. We have Anthony Botetto and John McFarland with us as well as we move through the hour from 7 to 8. Be sure to ask your waitress for any of the food or drinks as we move through. Obviously, a big week for the clones coming up. A big week that was 2-1, and one, and this team keeps on rolling. Four out of the last five are victories. And uh, I guess first, let's just talk about the week that was. Tell me how you felt you guys did. Well, I thought we were talking about Mike for a second. Okay. I, I, I know that November's over, <laughs> and Mike is still supporting the stash, but I, I guess in Tom Selleck uh, land, you know what? Why, classy. Why lose it? You know, you, keep you, it. Keep rocking Magnum P.I. It, it looks Mag- like he could be a firefighter, too, one or the other. <laughs> I like it. I, I like it. I, I appreciate. It. I appreciate his help on this as well. Well, we got we got a couple guys. That have, I think Brian O'Hanley's kept his mustache. Really, and uh, my Mac has too. I think, unless he shaved it today, I uh, didn't see it. Matt McDonald has shaved his mustache. Oh. He's uh, boycotted Magnum PI. That sounded Tom like Selleck, a, an Aaron is, move. His wife probably had something to do with that, huh? I'm sure his wife had enough with that thing. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. But Mike, you look great. Keep rocking it. I agree. <laughs> I know you had yours going pretty good. You, yours was, was kind of like used car salesman up until about November 21st. Hey, Steve. Hey, Sue. I wasn't really sure exactly how long you're going to keep it. But, uh, but yeah, I know, I know it's, uh, it was a very successful promotion, and I know uh, for a lot of the guys it was, it was a lot of fun to see. So It was good. I don't know about how good mine was. Mine was It terrible. was pretty good. It, it, was, it was pretty awful. good. It, we lost three in a well, row, so I had to shave it. Yeah, well, that's a smart move. you got to go with what, what works, superstitious-wise. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the hockey sense, over the last week, it was it was one of those where you kind of had the message to the team. You don't want to go there, eh, Nick? You just want to get right into business. I right? want to get away from the mustaches because okay, I can't right, grow one. I've been right. growing this thing since September, right. but get right into we talked business. about that. All right. Well, what else you got? <laughs> you got a... Oh, I didn't hear that. What was that? 2003. Yeah. 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 Just about. Just about. But. uh I guess hockey-wise, you talk about a team against Evansville, two games in three days, and, and your message to the team was basically take it to them. This is a team you can beat, you should beat, and sure enough, you did just that. You played probably two of your best offensive and defensive games of the season. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about that type of an effort over the last few, uh, four or five days. You know what, I, I, and I, I take part of the blame for last, uh, the first game against um, uh, Evansville. I think that uh, my message to our guys was the day before about you know, how dangerous this team can be and, and, you know, obviously where we are in the standings because we haven't played each other yet. So and yeah. I'm not saying that we're a we're here and they're there, but obviously from a uh, points uh, standpoint, you know, we're, we're you know, whatever we were, 8-1-2 and two or whatever, and they're in the bottom of the league. But, you know, those teams are dangerous, and I, I think I overemphasized the team, uh, everything, and, and it really, uh, we didn't come up with our best effort, obviously. I think we struggled with a couple of saves, but uh, um, but I thought the last two times we just played. We didn't emphasize uh, anything that they're doing. We emphasized what we have to do, and mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, we came out on, jeez, um, where's, my, where's my days here, Nick? Help me out. Um, Wednesday. Wednesday and Friday, yeah. Wednesday and Friday, and, uh, you know, we beat them fr- Wednesday, and, of course, uh, Friday, I just thought that that was just uh, a game that we just dominated uh, yep. uh, from top to bottom, and I think it got a little hairy at the end, obviously, when you're up 5 nothing, 6 nothing, and, 
it, it kind of, you get away from a few things, but, uh, um, you know, they're, they're a dangerous team. I mean, they can beat us on any night. They can beat anybody. They beat uh, Toledo last night, which was a big help for us. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, Evansville beating Toledo last night. I mean, that gives us an opportunity uh, Wednesday night to hopefully uh, get first place back again. Right. So, I mean, that was a huge win for Evansville. So, it just shows that they can beat uh, anybody on any given night, and that's our message to our guys: is that uh, these games aren't easy against them. They're not. They're not going to be easy. We got ten more against them. They're not going to be easy games. They're going to be tough games. You know, maybe we win six-one, but you know, we we might have to pull out a three-two win against them or battle from behind because, you know, they rely on their power play. Um, they're an undisciplined team, but um, you know, I, I thought the first game we played them, everything went in their favor mm -hmm. you know just uh we were undisciplined we we took uh three penalties in the first period that were all unnecessary uh put them on the power play and um we ran into a hot goalie that night so uh, things fell in their favor but um you know i think our guys know that they they know that uh we play uh evansville the uh, you know and there's no disrespect to them though but they're you know from a from a skill standpoint from a speed standpoint they're not they're not one of the better teams but they have every opportunity to win a game on any given night. I got to admit, coming into that game on, I, I think it was Friday, uh, that Alan, Alan York was uh, sent down from the American Hockey League, and, and you kind of get the, the mindset of, okay, this is a guy that you've seen before, you know has some success at the next level. Obviously, he hadn't played up until that point. Uh, and the last time you faced him, he was very, very good, 37 saves. Granted, it was months and months ago, so it, how they connect to, to one another, I, I don't know. But uh, were you surprised at, at how rusty he was, or, or was it more of a situation where he may have been a little rusty, but you were just on your game the entire night? Well, you know, like I said, I don't want to emphasize too much on them. You know, we saw Alan York last year in Chicago, and we lost one nothing up in, in Chicago. I, I was at the Columbus Blue Jackets game a week before and watched Alan York play in the National Hockey League for Columbus Blue Jackets. A week later, he's playing us in Chicago. And uh, we put 50-plus shots on him. We lost one nothing. We probably could have put 70 shots on him, and we weren't going to win that hockey game. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, obviously that was last year. This is this year. Um, I, I just felt that uh, we, we played the way we, we wanted to play. It had nothing to do with them. It had nothing to do with Alan York. It had nothing to do with them. I think we came out the way we wanted to, and, you know, we got some great uh, – you know, we got guys that can score, and I know it's 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 such misleading. You know, when I look at our, you know, I, I look at the stats, and I look at the leading scorers in the league, and you see guys with 37, 38 points that are leading the league, and our leading scorer has 18. And uh, but but I, I I look at that as a positive that you know Josh Shallow one night can step up and win his hockey game. You know, John McFarland can win his hockey game. Mm -hmm. David Pecan can. You know. Pellick, Aubin, Eves, you know, they can win us a hockey game one night. And we're waiting for Anthony Luciani, who's coming off the IR, that, you know, he can win us a hockey game. So, yep. you know, I'm not concerned about that. I think it's a positive that we don't have that one guy, two guys that are, you know, carrying us. Uh, any given night, I mean, Mike Undock's won us some hockey games, yep. you know, and here's a guy that had to go on the 21-day IR just because of where we're at. So, you know, I think it's there's a lot of positives in, in that, that, uh, you know, it's not about who's leading our team in scoring. I mean, you know, uh, David Buchan was leading us. He's a third-line centerman that was leading us in scoring. You know, Garrett Wilson for a couple days, and now Matt Pollock, or Mike Pollock. I keep saying Matt Pollock. <laughs> you need to just get Matt. Because I want Matt Pollock here. <laughs> I think I, I would love to have Matt <laughs> Pollock here. But, yeah. um, you know, so it, it really doesn't matter who's leading our team in scoring. I think every, any given night somebody has the ability to – Help us win a hockey game. 
And, and thinking back to that game, obviously, that boiled over, you mentioned the, uh, the physicality, 95 penalty minutes they handed out between the two clubs. Uh, it, it's obviously butting into a lengthy season series. Now, uh, we saw what we saw last year with Chicago and Cincinnati going over you know, every single night. You knew there was going to be some sense of blow-up sometime during the game. You didn't know when it was or who was going to cause it. Devin Didi-Omidi, obviously the, the, the name that comes to mind. Is, is this the beginning of, of something similar from their standpoint, maybe thinking it, that maybe that's the way they have to play in order to get you off your game? Well, my, my standpoint, and I'll tell you guys this, is that you know, I didn't see a physical team. You know, uh, you know, all all game of those two games, Wednesday, Friday. I, I saw with 30 seconds left in Wednesday's game that McKenzie kid trying to get physical. I didn't see him physical for 59 and a half minutes, yep. but with 30 seconds left, decides to get physical. I saw a guy on Friday night when it's 6-1 jumping Mike Pellick. You know, where were you for 59 and a half minutes mm -hmm. before that? You know what I mean? So that that's my point is that. I get when, you know, your things are happening, whatever, and it's a physical game, it's an emotional game, but, you know, that stuff with under a minute to go when the game's done, uh, that, that's where I have a problem with. And, yep. um, you know, it really, really bugs me, and it's something that, you know, we're going to address tomorrow, we're going to address on Wednesday, that, you know what, if, if you want to be physical, do it for 60 minutes. You know, don't wait for 30 seconds left in the game or seven seconds left in a game to send a message. Send a message yeah. on the first face-off of the, of the first shift of the game. That's where you send a message, mm -hmm. not with seven seconds left. So, um, you know, you know, we're, we're, we want to win a hockey game. That's what we're about is winning a hockey. And that's the bottom line on Wednesday night is we want to get two points. Do we want to send a message? You know, we want to win a game, but also uh, I think we're, we're, we're team tough. You know, you, you look at, you know, we got rid of Mike Liambus. We got rid of some people that provided that element because I felt that we, we don't need that one guy because mm -hmm. we have 18 guys that are in the lineup. They're going to stick up for each other, and I think you see it night in and night out that guys are going to stick up for each other. So, um, you know, come Wednesday, do we want to turn this into something bigger than it is? No, we want to get two points, mm -hmm. and that's our focus on Wednesday is getting two points. And on Saturday, uh, when we play them again, of course, we got Kalamazoo in the middle there, but uh, you know, I, I don't want to create this into something bigger than it is, but right. I do want to make sure I stress to our players that uh, you know, you, you, you play with class, you, 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 we're about winning hockey games, and that's what we're about. You touched on it, and, and I'll kind of uh, open up the topic of conversation with uh, the teammates and, and how strongly they are meshed together. And I don't know if it's, it's fair to compare uh, a team this year versus the, the previous two years that you've been here, but I get the sense that this is a a much more closely knit group than we've seen in Cincinnati in a few years. And I think it was exemplified uh, several times over the weekend. The thing that came to mind was Garrett Wilson's fight after uh, one of his uh, teammates got a cheap shot. I'm not sure if it was Matias or if it was David. I think it was Matias. But uh, that's the type of, of teammate that Garrett is. But really, if you look at everybody in that locker room, they would all be willing to step up and take that fight. No, absolutely. I think Matias, uh, you know, he got hit a couple times there, and he's um, he, it says a lot about him pers personally that, you know, he gets hit pretty hard or maybe a late hit or whatever, and guys are stepping up. So, you know, I have no question that these guys, everyone to a man here is sticking up for each other. I mean, I think this group of guys we've got, and, you know, obviously guys come and go, and, you know, we've got two guys here tonight that, that you know, weren't here from the beginning. They're here, you know, you know, playing some games and hopefully moving up, you know, soon. But while they're here, they're still part of this team and they're going to do whatever it takes to be part of this team and stick up for their teammates and stuff. So, um, you know, it, it, it's great to see. I mean, it just it, it, it's a reflection on the quality of people we have 
in that locker room, and uh, we've got great people. Uh, you know, these guys are uh, uh, guys that want to play. They all have, they're all maybe some in different organizations, some at different levels of where they're at. But um, at the end of the day, you know, when you're, you put that uniform on, you're a Cincinnati Cyclone, and you're going to protect your teammates, and you do the best for this organization while you're here, and hopefully move on, hopefully move on quickly. But uh, at the end of the day, these guys are all... Uh, great teammates, and, and it just goes back to having quality people. When you put quality people in a room together, uh, this is what happens. Talking about the goaltending over the weekend, a, a schedule uh, benefit, I guess, as you could call it, uh, with Milwaukee only playing a game and you guys playing the three games in four nights, uh, you had a chance to, to have a guy from the American Hockey League and Magnus Helberg get sent down. Kind of a calculated situation where you knew he was going to play both nights to come down, sit Brian Foster for the weekend to let his groin continue to heal and hopefully get back to, to more than 100% and get ready for the weekend uh, and the week coming up. Uh, obviously, it's fun anytime you get a chance to watch a guy like that come down and play the way he does. Was it as, as expected as, as he performed over the weekend? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when uh, you see the big blonde-haired Swede walk in the room, <laughs> six foot five, uh, you know, uh, it was great. I mean, I, the practice was awesome. The the first day he got here, pregame skate. I mean, he just covered so much of the net, and uh, he played so well. And uh, you know, he's a, he's such a quality player, and obviously that's why Milwaukee signed him or Nashville. Mm -hmm. Uh, signed him. He's such a good player. But the thing that impressed me the most, and uh, Anthony's here tonight, um, you know, he can attest to that. When he was in the room, he was one of the first guys here. Um, you know, Magnus was in the room, and when all these guys walked in, they all gave him a big hug. And, you know, it says a lot about uh, what type of person Magnus Helberg is when, you know, uh, Charlie Roussel and Anthony Botetto and uh, Josh Shala and uh, Andre Bouvet Morissette see him and they go give him a big hug. Like, uh, you know, and they don't, these guys don't even know each other that well. They've only been mm -hmm. together a couple months uh, mm -hmm. from training camp in Milwaukee to the start of the year. And then you get that separation and they get to see each other. Um, you know, I told Paul Fett and I said, geez, what a, what a reflection on the kid that, uh, and your guys too, the other guys, that they, they went up and gave him a big hug and were so excited to see him. You know, obviously just for two days and, and everything, but it was, a, it was a great thing to see because, uh, you know, in this game, everybody's out for themselves and, you know, you've got your own career to worry about, and, but along the way, you've got to be that teammate and uh, to see the, the reaction Magnus got from his teammates and then the way they reacted to seeing him, I, I thought that was great. I, and, you know, maybe ask Anthony about it when uh, he comes up, but, um, you know, they were the first guys over and they saw him and gave him a big hug and were, ex <laughs> were generally excited to yeah. see him. And uh, I think it's great, you know, for guys that just met each other for the first time in um, maybe a, a prospect camp or maybe in uh, training camp in Milwaukee in September. But uh, to see that genuine affection towards someone, I, I think was says a lot about Magnus and it says a lot about the guys that uh, Nashville has signed. I think it's, uh, it says a lot about uh, wh why we play this game and why we, you know, all put a uniform on and, and go, uh, go to battle together. And I think that was a great sign. Part of the plan, obviously, with Helberg come down, uh, coming down for the weekend, played his games, and then obviously gets called back up. Zoltan uh, Hetanyi gets uh, sent back down, and now with Foster on the reserve list, at least for the moment, uh, you have three goaltenders. Uh, what is the plan if there is one at this stage going forward, or is it just uh, kind of a wait-and-see approach? You couldn't wait to ask that, ain't I was waiting. We got three goalies. Um, what I did today, and I'll, be, I'll tell you honestly what I did, I called Abbotsford today, Abbotsford Heat. Because they've got three goalies right now, and they've got three really good goalies. Their third goalie is Brust, who just set the American Hockey League record. 
for shutout streak. And they're running three goalies. They're managing three goalies. So, you know, um, I, I put a call into Kale McLean with Abbotsford today, just kind of, you know, because this is something like that you don't you don't see. Uh, not too many pro coaches that have to manage three goalies. And uh, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know how to manage it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to be fair to these guys. I want, you know, Brian Foster, in my mind, Brian Foster's our guy. You know, he's 9 0 2. Brian Foster's our guy, so I, I feel he should have the net. Um, the other guys have to share the net, and, and it's a big deal. It is a big, big deal in practice if you have to share a net. You know, as much as that, you know, you're, you're playing pro hockey, you have to be here, whatever, but it's a big deal. You need work. You have to get work in the net, and when you're only getting half the shots in practice, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I know the first thing we're going to do is our goalies are going out, the three goalies are going out early before practice. We're going to get some work done before. Uh, you know, two of them will share the net. Brian Foster is going to get one net, and he's going to get all the shots from his end. And then we're going to have to work after practice to make sure that Michael Hauser gets his work and Zoltan gets his work and and all that stuff. So, um, again, going into Wednesday, where are we at? Um, I can tell you that Michael Hauser is not close to playing. You know, he's not close to getting into a game. So if you, you put me on the spot right now, I'm sure. going to say that if Foster's healthy and ready to go, he's going to get the start in Hetton. He's going to get the backup role and mm -hmm. Hauser will sit out yep. until he gets into game shape and then from there we'll figure it out and then you know <laughs> there's there's beyond that of uh, an affiliation standpoint of uh, you know who who gets to play and uh, like I said you know we're except from day one you know Cincinnati Cyclones you know write my checks yep you know so uh brian foster's our guy i don't care if he's with florida he's with nashville i don't care who they're with if i feel this guy's going to win us hockey games that's who's going to play and right now i feel brian foster gives us the best opportunity to win every single night and if he's ready to go wednesday he's going to play and we'll worry about the backup role um, secondary and he was a nominee today officially for ECHL goalie of the month so we will find out in the next couple of days if that will turn out to be the case he was uh, a perfect record over the uh, the course of November so we'll see uh, on Friday we had a chance to witness both of us uh, from a watching role the perhaps the most impressive offensive performance of the season for the Cyclones maybe if you look back to the last couple of years it, it has to probably be in the top five uh, John McFarland's four-point night, a hat-trick, the first one of the season. Uh, tell me about what it was like to watch that performance from the bench, who we will, by the way, talk with in uh, just a little bit. I thought it was disappointing. <laughs> um, because he should have had six goals. <laughs> um, I think he tried to be a nice guy. He uh, got his three goals and an assist, and then he decided that he was going to be a nice guy and try to feed Aben back door when he had a shot and... You know, I just thought he was uh, just trying to be a nice guy. Nice guys don't score goals. You know, <laughs> selfish players score goals. And uh, I told him that on the bench, and he'll attest to that. I said, Quit, don't be a nice guy. You know, <laughs> you got three goals. Shoot the puck. Don't try to be a nice guy to Avi. Avi scored enough in his career. Don't worry about Avi uh, backdoor tap in. So, no, it was uh, it was uh, it was great to see and. You know, not too often you get excited to see someone's next shift. And uh, that night it was really, uh, uh, you know, as you go through the lines and everybody's doing their thing, but it was really exciting. I couldn't wait for him to get back on the ice to see what he could do because every time he was out there, something, he created something, good things happened. Every time he was on the ice, 
offensively. So um, you know, it was a it was a great performance, and it was really exciting to see. And and I, I think for uh, you know uh, Farley was um, you know when you're in the American Hockey League and you're getting you know three four shifts a period, you know you touch the puck randomly. It, it, it's good to get the puck and touch the puck and be on a power play and feel the puck and make plays and get opportunities. It's such a great thing for him. And I know for guys, and he's come down with a great attitude. You know, when you get told that you're you're going to the East Coast Hockey League or ECHL, sorry, um, uh, you know, it's disappointing. But, you know, he came down with a great attitude because he just wants to play. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you want to play. You want to be in situations where you can gain your confidence. And this is why we have affiliations. This is the exact reason why. And for Anthony also is that, you know, you're you're in the American Hockey League. Maybe you're not getting the minutes that you need and, 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 and all that stuff. So that's why we have this affiliation. You come down here, play lots of minutes, get in situations, and then you get your confidence back up. And then you go up there and hopefully take off from there and we never see you again. You know, so when I think... Uh, both these guys, uh, both these guys, it's serving as purpose of uh, getting the minutes they need, the ice time they need, the conditioning they need, so that when they do go back up to the American Hockey League, we don't see them again. They are, you know, regulars in San Antonio, Milwaukee, and, and, and they go from there. You talk about affiliates, and we'll get back to the, some of the Cyclones uh, specifics here in a minute, but uh, obviously we, we kind of keep our eyes on uh, the San Antonio Rampage and Milwaukee Admirals, especially anytime you you have guys who have played with this club up there and they want to see how they do every night. And I know over the last few days we've had a chance to see the names of Jonathan Hazen and David Pecan come up multiple times on the score sheet. And uh, I think that says a lot about not only their abilities, as, as we saw for, firsthand, but also uh, their development, as he just talked about. Yeah, it was great. I mean, anytime you, we we all watch. Whenever guys go up to uh, our affiliates, we want to see how they're doing. And it was great to see Hazy score and Pecan get a couple. And, and one guy we we, we <laughs> forget about is Jared Gomes. I mean, we signed him. I mean, that was our guy that uh, went to camp, got earned a contract, and you know scored two goals the other day. But uh, you know, it's always nice to see um, you know guys have success and 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 stuff like that. So it was great. Uh, to check the score sheet and see that Hazy scored and Pecan and uh, whenever these guys go up. And again, when these guys go up uh, real soon, when they get back up to the American Hockey League, we're going to be following them game by game. We're going to want to see what they did. And it's great on the bus when we're heading home from Toledo and guys are checking um, to see who, what, what, what guys did. You know what I mean? Obviously, they're, they want to be there and stuff, but there will always be guys that we check on uh, all year long to see how they're doing and stuff. Had there have been 45 more seconds in the game on uh, Saturday in Toledo, I feel like you guys probably would have won the game. You guys in the third period were a force against the walleye coming back. And uh, and certainly when you look at the games that Toledo and Cincinnati have played, that pretty much sums it up. Back and forth, uh, a battle, scrappy. Uh, I guess first tell me about how, how the game went from your eyes and then also talk about and speak about the way your team, on almost on a nightly basis, if they get down, they never seem to ever be out. Yeah, that was a great point, Nick. Um, end of the game was great. Yes. Um, that first uh, <laughs> 15 minutes of the first period. <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't get our first shot till the seven-minute mark. And, uh, I mean, they were coming. They were coming. They were flying. Like, uh, it was uh, in our zone the whole time. And But, but at the end of the day, we, we, we look. I mean, our first shot, we get a goal. You know, we, we're out getting sh- we're out shot 12 to one, and it's two one. And then uh, Maury Edwards, our next shot of the of the period, 
you know, he hits a post, you know, and it was like, okay, we, we, we took their best, uh, you know, they were, they were flying. So, uh, we're still only down 2-1. We're getting outshot, what, 16-4 to in the first period, and it's right. 2-1. So, it was encouraging, obviously, they got a couple, but, uh, it was great to see us come back. I agree, Nick. I think if we had a few more minutes there, maybe, uh, we could you know what I thought was interesting. We, we, we make it four three with six uh, minutes and 39 seconds left mm -hmm. in the period. All the men is on our side. And I, and I, and, and it's funny how games happen, how they develop. I, I, the next face off, we end up icing a puck. So, you know, that, that slows the game down. And then I think we ice another one, you know, and it wasn't just out of desperation. It was just maybe a, a pass. And then there's a TV timeout. And then the game just went right back into a, where it was mm -hmm. you know we had all this momentum by a couple icings and a tv timeout makes the game go right back in now we got five minutes and whatever where it's just now there's a lull we had all this momentum we had all this energy all this momentum and by two icings and a tv timeout put the game right back where it was mm -hmm. for you know 45 50 minutes you know and of course when you pull the goalie the energy you know, it comes back. But I mean, it's not a case of these guys not working. It, you know, there, right. there's flow and there's energy of a game. I mean, these guys want to win a hockey game. They want to score that tying goal. But it was interesting. It was, it, you could see it happening right in front of us that, you know, you, 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 know, and then it, you, you want things to continue, bring that energy. The bench is alive. Guys are fired up. And then it just slowed right down to back to a crawl where it was. And then uh, we never got that energy back for about three and a half minutes until we pulled a goalie. Right. And then that desperation starts happening. But, uh, you know, it, it was great. It was great to see that, uh, you know, we fought back. And uh, they're, they're good. They're a good team. I mean, Toledo is a really good hockey team. Yeah. They are fast. They're physical. And um, it's going to be like this all year. I mean, we're going to see Toledo all year long battling. Like I said, we caught a huge break last yesterday afternoon by them losing to Evansville. Mm -hmm. But now it's up to us how we respond on right. Wednesday night. You right. know what I mean? That's great. We caught a break. You know, now we're not three points out of first. Now we're still only one. But, you know, it gives us an opportunity on Wednesday. You, you talk about guys that are picking up speed. And, and Mike Pellick, I think, is perhaps the epitome of that right now. He has points in six straight games. And, you know, obviously we, we talk about guys that, that are going to be critical for you down uh, in the, you know, the next uh, two-thirds of the season. And he's a guy that you can point to and say, when we're successful, it's because, among others, Mike Pellick is successful. How important is it for him to have found his stride in the last couple of weeks? Uh, it, it's important for him, you know, because, you know, guys have pride. I mean, he, he, he's one of our top guys, and he needs to, you know, be one of our top guys. If we're going to be successful, Mike Pellick has to be successful. And, you know, he's got to put points up. He's got to do all the things he has to do in all certain areas. But, uh, you know, he got off to a slow start. But, again, it, it wasn't an issue. You know, we, we start off 7-0-2, and, you know, Pelly and Avi really aren't really contributing on a consistent basis. They're doing a lot of good things. They're just not offensively. But, you know, to be successful over 72 games, you know, we're going to need Pelly to be successful. We need Aubin to score goals. We need people to score mm -hmm. goals. It's nice to have, you know, Shallow who might be here. He might not be here. You know, we, we, we got, you know, Johnny Mack that, you know, we don't know. You know, he's going to – how long he's going to be here. So, but at the end of the day, we need those guys to be consistently contributing for us to be successful. And uh, you know, it's great to see Pelly get, you know, a big night, get back at that point of game pace. You know, everybody talks about stats. Like, you know, 
I always say stats are for losers, <laughs> unless you got good ones. You know, so you know, you need stats. Like guys want points. You want yeah. points. You're here to get points. I mean, you know, I mean, Anthony's a little different. Anthony's a defensive defenseman that. Uh, you know, he's got a role to play, and, and for him to be successful has to play a certain way so you don't look at and say, you know, Anthony Potato's been here 10 games, has two assists. That's mm -hmm. great. You know, he's plus five, plus six, you know, whatever. That's great. But, right. you know, a guy like Johnny Mack, you know, he needs to put up points. You know, that's that's his role. And, and Avi and Pelly, that's their role. You know, they have to provide offense for us, do all the little things, all the details, but also have to put up points because their guys are going to be here. Consistently, maybe Avi gets a call up, maybe Pelly gets a call up, but at the end of the day, they're going to play 60 plus games for us. Right. And we need them to be successful. And you say Johnny Mack, he is the point getter of late, and he'll be with us coming up on the other side of this timeout with the head coach Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker. This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. We're back at it here tonight on this Monday night, December the 3rd. It's the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show here on the Cyclones Radio Network. Pleased to join our next guest who had his first pro hat trick on Friday. He wears number 17. Please welcome John McFarland. Mac, how you doing? I'm good. Welcome in. Thank you. I guess the, the big first question is, take me back to Friday. You, you, you hear from players and you hear about games where you, know, you have just an amazing offensive performance, and it, it really seemed watching you like the game slowed down around you. Is, is that how you felt out there as a player, or is that, that not accurate? Uh, somewhat. I think uh, I try not to play the game slow, but at the same time, um, that night I, I just felt uh, things were clicking, uh, both with my line mates. I mean... Pelly made a great play on the first goal. Um, I didn't really have to do too much. Mm -hmm. um, it was just one of those nights where, where everything kind of just fell into place, and, and I was able, obviously, to capitalize on chances also. You're coming off of a, a tremendous career in the OHL. Certainly, you look at your point totals, it, it speaks for itself. Uh, we talked about this before. I mean, you talk about confidence coming in. Uh, and I got to think that having that type of an OHL career had to build your confidence coming into this first-year pro, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've always been uh, a more offensive player, uh, someone who was more relied upon to, to score goals or, or contribute offensively uh, at key moments. Um, it helps. Uh, obviously, the game's a lot different here. Um, but at, at the same time, it, it, the confidence is there. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely starting to feel better now also. We hear guys uh, and from guys when we talk with them on the show, oftentimes they're in their first year or second year. They're, they're kind of getting their feet wet in the, uh, in the pro game. And uh, they say sometimes that it takes an adjustment from being a, a top-level OHL guy or QMJHL guy or college guy and then making that jump into the pro ranks and, and adjusting the game accordingly. Uh, do you feel like you've had to do that at all, or is, is the game the same as it was last year to this year in your first year? It's obviously different. I mean, you're you're playing against men. You're not playing against little boys anymore, or you know, younger kids, guys that are your age. Um, uh, especially in the AHL this year, um, I, I was definitely playing in a different role. Um, I wasn't that offensive guy that they that they wanted. Um, I was I was playing more a checker role. Um, so it's always an adjustment. Um, the speed, the size, the skill of players, it, it, it's different. Everyone was at one stage a top junior player or college or wherever they were so it's 
it's obviously a lot tougher, but at the same time, you stick to what you're good at and what got you to where to where you are. We had a chat off the air, and I think Jared touched on it a little bit about the difference between being up and maybe playing three, four, five shifts a game as opposed to coming down here where, you know, obviously your goal is to advance and get up in the AHL and the, eventually when they start playing again the National Hockey League. But at this juncture... Uh, I got to think just being out there playing on a regular basis, being out there for the power play, being out there for, for important times in each hockey game has got to be exciting and a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it, it is. It, like we talked about, uh, me and Scaldi, I mean, it, it's huge to be able to be in those situations. It, it helps you with your confidence. Um, I haven't been in them in a while, <laughs> um, so it's been, it's been great to do that. Um, uh, it was obviously good to be able to contribute. I mean, as a player – no matter where you are, you want to win. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it goes. Um, and, and like I said before, it, it's tough playing little minutes. You want to be in the AHL, but at the same time, uh, I'm really enjoying it here and, and having a lot of fun being in all those situations. And the other thing we talked about in the last segment is about how close everybody seems to be in the locker room. And, and you kind of get transplanted in after, you know, getting sent down from San Antonio, probably having seen many of the guys over the course of the camps and, and, and hearing about them and perhaps meeting some of them. But uh, it, it is amazing. And I guess from, from a guy who has just come in, uh, tell me how it is jumping into this group of guys. It seems like everybody's just one big family out there. Yeah, it's a great group. I mean, um as a player, you, you really don't know what you're going to come to. You're right. not sure what the group's going to be like, how they're going to accept you, um, how they're going to feel about whether you're taking their ice time or not. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the group's been great. I mean, everyone made me feel at home. I, I feel like I've been here for months, and mm -hmm. I've only been here a week. So um, they've been great. Uh, I can't complain, obviously. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a great group of guys, and, and I think it shows on the ice. You've had a, a ton of great moments in your career. We talked about your OHL numbers. That, that speaks for itself. Second-round pick of the Panthers. Uh, obviously, the big, big you know, highlight, if you would say, is um, at least from a, a statistical standpoint, is the first overall selection in the OHL draft. But you've had a whole lot of different highlights based on uh, what we've read and what we've see, uh, seen from you. Is there one moment, maybe tough to point out, but is there one moment that, that stands out among the others as your favorite? Yeah, I mean, uh, all those things are definitely uh, great accomplishment things that I were very, that I was very proud of at the time. Um, you know, being a first overall pick was great. Um, it was something uh, as a young kid that I that I dreamed about watching my brother play in the OHL. Uh, something that I wanted to be uh, getting drafted. I mean, it's every kid's dream. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, um, mine's mine's actually a little different. Um, I was able to win a gold medal with Canada, and I was also the, the team captain. So I think, you know, raising that trophy, wearing that gold medal was, was probably the most proudest moment uh, of my career so far, and hopefully I'll have a better one. And not even to, to mention the fact that you were the captain of that team. It's one thing to win it. Obviously, it's a team sport, so being a part of that is amazing in itself and certainly an accomplishment. But being able to lead that team as a captain – I mean, that says a lot about you as a person, but also from, from I, I got to think, a humbling experience, too, because that's, that's a, basically a statement made by yourself on behalf of the country, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime you get to put on that jersey alone it is a tremendous honor. And then when I was named captain, obviously, I was very proud uh, to, to be able to be that person. And then obviously winning only helps and it makes it mm -hmm. <clears throat> makes it that much more enjoyable when you are playing hockey. What kind of things do you like to do? Is, is there something maybe a hobby that you have in the offseason at all? Uh, I like to golf. I'm a big golfer. Uh, I didn't get to do it this last summer. I'm actually, I just came off shoulder surgery, so 
Uh, I didn't get to do it too much, but uh, that that's my main thing in, in going to the cottage, just and, being with family. And what's your handicap, if you have one? Are you a scratch? Uh, I would imagine you're a scratch golfer, right? No, no. <laughs> um, probably 10, 10, 8 to 10. So probably. competitive. So yeah, you, I, I can play. You can hang your, hang your own. I used to, to play it. a lot, so uh, I, I used to be good. I, I haven't done it as much lately, so I wouldn't say I'm, I'm too good right now. And that's a good thing. Hopefully you're not playing golf until in, inside June or so, right? I agree, also. All right, give it up for John McFarland, everybody. Thank you for being Thank with you. us, and best of luck the Thanks rest of the way. Me. We'll come back with Anthony Boteto. He is standing by with us next on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Hey, all you babes out there in Toyland, call in and tell us about your holidays. Oh, caller one, you're on. Uh, Diane, name's Santa Claus, long-time listener, first-time caller. The holidays are rough. Everybody's going to Cincinnati Bell. Uh, oh, sorry, Santa, we're out of time. Here's a word from our sponsor. Cincinnati Bell is saving you a slightful. Smartphones are as low as free, and you can get a free month of talk, text, and data when you activate a new line. We'll even buy out your contract up to a thousand bucks. Cincinnati Bell, right here for you with the perfect gift. Office expire one six thirteen. Certain restrictions apply. See store for details. Hi Cyclones fans, Walt Kelsey here from McCluskey Chevrolet. We're on the power play as Cincinnati's number one Chevy dealer. Visit us today and see Chevy's unbelievable lineup. Experience our best price promise. Guaranteed credit approval and lifetime powertrain protection. Come see me, Walt Kelsey, and buy before the end of the season and receive a free Cyclones 10-game pack for two. Call the one number, 761-1111. Let's go Cyclones. McCluskey Chevrolet, lower prices, lower rates. I'm here with Donald and McCarthy customer Tim Rodersheimer, owner of Deerfield Press and a 34-year veteran of the printing business. Tim, with your experience you knew when you acquired Canon's new high-speed, high-performance digital press, support from more than just a vendor was critical. I can't say enough about Donald McCarthy. Donald McCarthy has definitely proven that they are our true partner. Donald and McCarthy, the Canon Digital Press, and an over 50-year tradition of customer service excellence. Their service is unbelievable by far. The cool thing about it is the technical support. Uh, you know, if you have a software problem, they're right behind us. It sounds like Donald and McCarthy and the Canon Digital Press are the whole package. The machinery is unbelievable. The quality is unbelievable. I'm never going to change now that Donald McCarthy's here. For a demonstration of Canon's remarkable digital press, call Donald and McCarthy. In Cincinnati, call 469-COPY. Call today, 469-COPY, for Donald and McCarthy. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. We are back live at the Tap House Grill on this Monday night. As December is here, and the Cyclones will kick off three games in four days again coming up on Wednesday night. Our next guest is a 2000 dra 2010 draft pick of the Nashville Predators. Please welcome in number 19, Anthony Boteto. Welcome in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being with us and spending a few minutes. I guess uh, we'll, we'll start with talking about your experience so far as a pro. 13 games under your belt. How do you feel things are going so far for you? Uh, it's good. You know, um, uh, since he's a great city, I enjoy it here. Uh, fan support's unbelievable. Uh, you know, starting in Milwaukee and then getting sent down is never thing you want to go through but you know I'm glad I'm getting to play and uh, it's a development so uh, it's exciting. And certainly you are contributing as well at least defensively you continue to be a, a shutdown guy obviously Jared kind of uh, touched on that and touched on the way you play we'll get to that in a minute uh, but, uh, but backtracking a bit to your college days you played two years at Northeastern University and then opted to go pro uh, obviously at that point you had a choice to make whether you're going to stay yeah. and play or or you know make that first pro uh, contract <coughs> stand up and get that opportunity what went into making that decision, and how difficult of a decision was it? 
It, uh, it, was, it wasn't too difficult. You know, I talked to my coaching staff at, at Northeastern, and uh, the, the good thing about it is they kind of left it up to me. I think, uh, you know, having their support behind it and having them tell me that, you know, it's your decision, we're behind you, kind of made me comfortable. And I felt I was ready to move on. You know, I did my two years. <clears throat> sorry, my two years there, and I felt like I was ready to move on. So yeah. my decision to leave school wasn't too bad. You know, it's college, so, I mean, you're missing <laughs> a little part of college, yeah. but it's been good. I mean, obviously, the college experience is different for everybody. I, I know uh, getting a chance to play now as a pro, I got to think that the, the plate that you have in front of you, although full of, of many different responsibilities, probably not as full as those two years where you're going to class, you're <laughs> trying to study as much as you possibly can, also fit in some time to play some hockey and be good at it. Uh, I got to think now in your first year pro, it's kind of a, a weight off your shoulders a bit <laughs> now. That's definitely true. I mean, going to class and early morning wake-ups and stuff, it's... It's, you got to manage your time, and now it's like you get up, you go to practice, and then you have all the time in the world. So right. you got to kind of find a hobby or something, you know. But it's definitely uh, a transition I'm going through, and hopefully, hey, figure it out quicker than later. <laughs> Speaking of, what, what kind of things do you like to, to do in your, your now that you say, uh, ample spare time? Uh, lately, I've been actually reading a little bit, you know, just trying to keep my mind going, leaving school, but. I'm just hanging out with the guys, you know, playing some cards here and there, mm -hmm. watching some sport games, but that's really a, that's well, about it. If you couldn't be playing hockey in terms of, of as a professional sport, you know, maybe do, going into the real world, so to speak, what kind of things uh, are you interested in? What did you study at Northeastern, if anything? I uh, studied criminal justice. I liked uh, criminal law, actually caught my eye. Uh, it's pretty interesting, you know, reading cases, that mm -hmm. homicides and stuff. So that was definitely interesting, but uh, now it just kind of – play golf a little bit here and there, <laughs> enjoy it and stuff, but yeah, it's been good. Getting back to the hockey, take me back to that draft day. Obviously, for those that watch the NHL and, and follow it on a regular basis, no, it's not It's not the same uh, you know, spectacle that they do in the NFL where they bring everybody up, yeah. and it's not the same I experience for you. Take me back to that moment when you found out you were drafted. Where were you, and how did you find out? Uh, it's actually a funny story. Uh, it was 2010, and USA uh, was playing Ghana in the World Cup, and uh, I forget if it was semifinal or whatever, but yeah. I get a phone call from my agent, and he's like, uh, did you hear? And it was actually right after USA, <clears throat> USA scored. And I was like, yeah, they just scored, USA scored. And he's like, no, you got drafted. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's, you know, it was very good accomplishment, I guess. My parents were thrilled, but that's how uh, my draft story that's went. A, that's, a, that's, a that's a wild story. Obviously, the other thing about you know <clears throat> Nashville being in the situation with, uh, with defense, you've got guys like... Uh, you know, Ryan Suter, who has been uh, obviously a Nashville Predator up until this past season, or the offseason as the case would be, obviously Shea Weber, uh, the big name that comes to mind. Nashville is known for being a, a team that develops strong, strong defensemen. What does it mean for you to be a part of an organization that has that <laughs> reputation? No, it's, a, it's definitely an honor. You know, you, you go into summer camps and, you know, stuff like that, and they develop you and work on stuff here and off ice and, you know, we worked with uh, Scolds and Mr. Vincent last week, and mm -hmm. everything's the same. It's, you know, how much effort you put into what you do and how much focus you 
strive on making yourself better. So you, you talk about playing <clears throat> defensively, and I mean, Jared just talked about it too, uh, being a stay-at-home type of a guy. I mean, I got to think, no matter what style of hockey you're playing, it takes tremendous focus. But being a a stay-at-home defenseman, I would think, takes even more so because you, as anybody wants to score goals, anybody wants to get in the play. But how important is it? How tough is it to to stay in that mindset, that focus that I'm supposed to play here, I'm going here, puck goes here. That that mindset of of always being ready for that next defensive play. It's uh, I wouldn't say it's too strenuous or hard. It's more, you know, I get paid to make sure the other team doesn't score. You know, I don't get paid to go score like falls over here, gets <laughs> goals all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's basically it. You know, I, I love what I do, and I hope I can do it for a while. How would you describe yourself as a defenseman? Is, it, is stay at home a, a good way of describing it? or uh, You know, a two-way, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe we could join the rush a little bit, but the right times. But, uh, you know, my goal is make sure I keep the other guy between me and the net. So that's my goal, and that's my, that's my job. Well, so far, so good. We appreciate you being with us. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, you have a question. We have a question, question from the audience. Go ahead. BCS? Football. <laughs> National title game? All right, go ahead. <laughs> Why? Okay. All right, you're, so you're a big college football guy. Well, a little bit. I think uh, I think it's going to be a pretty close game, but I think Bama wins it. You think Alabama picks? Yeah. Did you, watch, uh, you, did you watch any of the highlights of the Georgia game? I know there are a lot of people in, in Toledo around the – around the press box, had that game on during the during the night. Yeah, I watched the highlights, but we were on the bus, I believe, coming back, uh, going to the game. It was a 4 o'clock game, but Georgia's a good team. Two good Ds, but I don't know. I think Bama beats Notre Dame. I'd probably say 27-21 by a touchdown, so it, we'll It's, it's kind of one of those situations here. It's a <laughs> it's kind of an interesting choice to choose either one of those two teams because, you know, Nick Saban has, has quite a – uh, stigma about him, but in Cincinnati, there are people that either love Brian Kelly or hate Brian Kelly, and most people <laughs> in this room, I would imagine, are, are going to give him the thumbs down. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Are you a, a sports enthusiast in the sense of wagering with friends, a friendly wager, perhaps? <laughs> no, nothing. So you're not that confident in your choices, is what you're telling me. No, I keep, <laughs> keep it to myself. Uh, well, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you uh, again for spending a yeah. few minutes with us. Thank you. That's defenseman Anthony Batetto. We'll come back and join the uh, head coach Jared Scaldi on the other side of this timeout. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. This is CyclonesHockey.com. Oh, another couple of minutes here on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi show as we wind up this hour and look ahead to next week. We'll be back again for yet another show. One note, not surprisingly, Christmas Eve, we will not be here. And the following Monday, we will not be here because we will be in Kalamazoo for New Year's oh, Eve. Love it. And I know I know a little bit away uh, from, from the hockey this week, <laughs> but I know the... The holiday season for you, at least in terms of New Year's, you could take it or you could leave it. I, I think if there's anybody on this team that, that would enjoy actually playing on New Year's Eve, it would be you. Well, young kids like you, Nick, um, still Here we go. Still, um, still think that New Year's is fun. New it Year's is. Eve is fun. It, it's the most overrated night <laughs> of the year. It's amateur uh, hour. Okay, okay. It's overpriced. It's amateur hour. And I know, Nick, you still believe, like Santa Claus, you still believe in, in, <laughs> in New Year's Eve. What it's, are you trying to say? It is the worst night of the year. Give me, sit me at home, watch TV, watch well, God bless Dick Clark, no longer with us anymore. But anyways, just counting it down, mm -hmm. enjoying maybe an eggnog. You're an eggnog guy? I love eggnog mm. with rum. Absolutely. Show a hand. Who, who, enjoys, who enjoys eggnog in this room? 
Wow, more than I thought. You, you too? I didn't know that, and that's that's saying something. Well, yeah, because you were out all the time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That makes you, sense. You were out overpaying for meals and drinks <laughs> and being disappointed, Nick. While your dad was sitting at home with an eggnog and rum. <laughs> so he made the right choice, is what you're saying. <laughs> um, getting back to the hockey quickly, promotionally this week, Friday night, of course, is a night that uh, I think a lot of fans look forward to. It's our wiener dog race night, Pucks and Pups night, where fans can bring their dog to the game. I know that you have a dog, although I'm sure Bean will not be on the bench with you. Uh, it may be, <laughs> may be in the house. Uh, our if, if Bean comes, Peanut, Obby's dog, Peanut oh, yes. would have to come Are too. Are they friends? So they're friends, yeah. Okay. yeah in, a, in a weird way, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Weird is a good way to describe yeah. anything that Aubie's related with or, or, you know, whatever. We'll get, get down that one. We'll talk about that later on. But uh, I guess the, uh, the, the big story, hockey-wise, is the same series. This is going to be the completion of six games in a row now against the North Division. And obviously, you've come out pretty well so far. You've got three more to go. Tell me a little bit about the necessity of playing the type of hockey you have been against these same other four teams. It's, it's incredible. Uh, again, it's, it's not saying anything negative or about Evansville, but these games are tough. Like, yeah. we, we should beat that hockey team. I, and I, I'll flat out say it, and I, Richie Crom was here tonight. I would tell him we should beat your hockey team every single night, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be work. It's going to be details. It's going to be a lot, a lot of preparation to beat Evansville because it's one of those games mentally for our players and stuff. So, um, you know, Wednesday night, you know, we got to come out ready. We got to be, uh, you know, ready to go. Obviously, Kalamazoo, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're a good team. They're experienced. Uh, I think they're getting a little long in the tooth um, in, in certain areas, but, you know, they have muscle memory. They've won. They've won mm -hmm. and they've continued to win since they've been in the ECHL. So, and again, going up to Evansville our first time on Saturday. So, uh, these Evansville games are tough. Like they're, they're they're games that mentally and physically you've got to prepare yourself, and you can't take lightly, and and you've got to take care of the details early and do the work early, and that's what I felt would happen on um, on Friday night was we we took care of the details and work early, and it allowed us to get to four nothing, five nothing, six nothing because we we worked early on. If we're not going to work early. We're going to end up in a 3-3 hockey game with a minute to go with a power play against us and lose the hockey game right. like we did the first time. So, you know, get the work done early, take care of the details early, and we can have a night like we had Friday night. And Kalamazoo, I mean, I think it's funny to, to look at at this stage. It's, again, way too early to, to really look at the at the – uh, lineups and the, the standings and say, all right, well, this is going to put them here. This is going to put us there. But it, it is amazing how uh, we talk about Sunday, how Toledo loses a game, and then all of a sudden they're right there. You can jump them again with games in hand. And Kalamazoo, this is a situation where the more you win against teams like Kalamazoo and Evansville, the further the gap becomes yeah. as we turn the corner into January. Yeah, I mean, it's so nice to, you know, th that start is so important. And, you know, we've talked about it in my, my, my first two years, obviously, you know, 500 below, and then you're just always playing catch up. Mm -hmm. And and again, there's there's a lot is going to happen from now till the end of the season. But it sure is nice to have that uh, those games and and have success early on. And and you know now you've got some opportunities to you know put some teams down and and, and leapfrog some other teams. So uh, you know it's exciting, and the guys are excited, and they understand the importance of all uh, game by game, week by week. Looking forward to it. See you Wednesday. All right, big guy. That's Thanks, guys. That's Cyclones head Thank coach, Jared Scully. Thank you for being with us, and we'll be on the air coming at you 7-15. Hope you're with us on Wednesday night against Evansville. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for coming.